Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Joshua Freeman online. Joshua, how are you? I am fantastic today. <laughs> it's, 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 always, day. it's always good to be fantastic. Uh, you do some amazing work and I uh, definitely want to dive into the conversation, but I want you to find uh, just for a moment to share about you with the audience and we'll dive into the conversation. So I lead the world's largest organization dedicated to growing emotional intelligence. We've been doing this for 25 years, and we now have people using our tools and methods in 200 countries and territories. We work in every sector, and primarily what we're doing is we're equipping people with the, the research and the methodology and the measurement tools and development tools to embed emotional intelligence into everything. So whether you're trying to improve sales or you're trying to uh, have more aligned teams or whether you're trying to uh, create better schools or uh, stronger healthcare outcomes or a more effective military force, there's an emotional component to that work. And we teach people how to uh, utilize that emotional component to reach your goals. It's really important work and not that it wasn't important before, but over these last couple of years, uh, emotions have been all over the map uh, with the pandemic, great resignation, you know, changing landscapes of everything, uh, recessions, war, you name it, you know, there's all kinds of things going on. And that impacts every aspect of our lives. And it definitely impacts our work environments. So uh, what, what are some of the things that you've seen uh, over the last two or three years that have been flushing out with all of this? Well, I think one piece, just to my personal experience to start with, I have a lot of data I can share. I have found myself disrupted and in turbulence so many times in the last three years. It feels like 10 years since you know, 2019. And the ongoing uncertainty and all of the factors that you mentioned, Michael, and the way that kind of cascades onto my desk as a CEO, um, one of the effects of that is that I am much more easily depleted I have less energy. I'm used to being somebody who can just go, 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 go. And it's not working. And I think that confronting that and saying, I need to make some changes about how I lead, how I work to deal with this more chaotic environment, I realized this is a marathon, not a sprint. And this we're still in this pandemic and its effects, and we're going to be for a while. It ties into, I do a lot of work with organizations and, and people with that are burning out. And what you're facing and what you have demonstrated, everyone's facing it. And a lot of it too is, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, I, I think people have, in many cases, forgotten how to be resilient because of the constant um, battle that we seem to be facing. Uh, it's just you know, the, our bounce back factor just isn't the same that it was 
you know, back in 2019, which I'm with you. It feels like that was a decade ago and it really wasn't, but it certainly feels that way, especially when you look at old photos or a post that you did on social media from a few years ago and you look at that, it's like, what world was that? I don't remember that. That was a different dimension. It's like, if, you, if it's, if you, you know, Marvel fan, okay, that was a different multiverse. That's not this one. And so, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, the, the bounce back factor, I think a lot of people haven't been able to do that. And as you said, you used to be able to just go, okay, you know, I'm ready, let's go. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm a little bit more fatigued today than I normally am. What's going on? And, you know, and, and more coffee only gets you so far. So that's true. Research, as I'm sure you're aware, the research on burnout is surprising. It's not about overwork, really. Burnout is about recharging and uh recharging there is an emotional process uh feeling autonomy feeling recognition feeling support and feeling meaning or purpose those are the elements that uh research says helps us recharge the, those kind of emotional batteries what we've seen in our research on emotional intelligence is that the skills related to collaboration have declined. Uh, there's a ton of research out there showing that people just in general are more lonely and disconnected. They don't feel um, the same level of connectedness. And of course, that's partly just from, um, you know, working from home sometimes and hybrid sometimes and, you know, and uh, part of it is uncertainty. And the brain's response to uncertainty is to narrow our focus and withdraw because we don't know. We don't know what's coming. And so we go into a protection mode. And in that protection mode, we don't have as much sense of control. We don't have as much social support because we withdraw. And I think that the big emotional challenge for us as, as leaders is to help people connect the dots, connect and connect with each other. So we can move into this shared sense of energy, which really brings us to what makes teams work in this time period. Yeah, I agree with you because back in March of 2020, when we were all sent home um, and we learned how to navigate Zoom and all the other platforms that are out there, you know, we, we had that distance, even though you could be on the screen and see facial features and all that, it's not the same. And, and of course, let's not forget that there was a virus going around that was um, taking people's lives and, and all of that. So there was a lot of challenges and all of that. But I, I agree with you on when someone asked me, you know, what's my preference as far as work, remote, hybrid, in-person? And my answer to that is it, it depends on the organization. It depends on the individuals. It depends on what your customer needs are and come up with some harmonization of those things to see what makes sense, but make sure you write that in pencil because it might change and you can adapt accordingly and adjust. But I use this example a lot in, in my show where a couple of colleagues of mine that I used to work with uh, in the supply chain industry, one is very outgoing, extrovert for sure. Another one is introverted. The extrovert, you would think, you know, typically, you know, 
broad stroke, of course, that they would have a difficult time not being around people and outgoing and, and going into the office and seeing people where you thought the introvert would be, this is the greatest thing that has ever happened in the history of history. I don't have to go in and see anybody. I can just do my work remotely. Everybody can leave me alone. It was the opposite with both of them. You know, the introvert was really struggling and was begging, can I at least come into an office and see some people so I can just see them? And the extrovert was, I'm good. I don't need to go back in. I'm good. So it's interesting to watch the, the dynamic of it. And again, it ties into all their respective emotions that they're facing because it's not just a singular thing. There's a lot of things that tie into that. And I, what I find is just because somebody is quiet or outgoing doesn't necessarily mean that you know they're going to thrive in a particular environment just because that's you know some of their behaviors well that brings us to why emotional intelligence in general is so important uh, there's data for us to acquire uh, just like we can you know learn to read our spreadsheets better we can learn to read emotions better and just like we can use that quantitative numerical data to help us solve budget problems or allocate resources, we can use the emotional data to, to solve emotional puzzles, such as how do we support people to be effective even in this chaos? How do we support ourselves? So there's a ton of emotional puzzles. I don't, I don't want to say problems, but maybe some are problems. There's a ton of emotional puzzles for us to grapple with. And these learnable, measurable, scientifically grounded skills are how we do that. And what I would say is that you know, what our research says, and, and certainly my experience over these years, the intensity of that challenge has increased and therefore our skills at this have to increase. And you don't solve this by going to a training. You don't solve this by reading a book. You solve this by building this capacity into your organization and into your leadership culture. And that takes years. Uh, we have Dozens of case studies on our website. Uh, you can, they're all free on sixseconds.org. You can go read about how organizations have done this. And most of those cases take about three years. And what we see is over the course of about three years, organizations start getting the real value from emotional intelligence by embedding it in the way they interact, the way they onboard people, the way they promote people, the way they train people, but mostly the way people lead and interact with each other. And we've seen it in sales, we've seen it in manufacturing, we've seen it in technology, we've seen it in militaries, we've seen it in schools. This, this skill set starts to become like part of the DNA of the culture and how we become better at dealing with the, this kind of amorphous, changing, complex part of our work. And, you know, which maybe, again, maybe brings us back to this team data that we can talk about. Yeah, and the team data is definitely want to you know highlight that uh, before we're done. And uh, one thing that I'm guessing this is just a guess without looking at at the information, but I'm guessing those organizations that have done that work, that have put in the time uh, to really you know, improve you know the EQ of their organization and how they operate, how they navigate things. I'm guessing those organizations have probably done better when it comes to retaining the people and haven't been impacted as much with the great resignation as so many other organizations are. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's just a, 
assumption without even looking at any information. I, I would just expect that would be the case. I think that's a very good assumption. We have I've been working on a new uh, paper that I haven't gotten to finish yet uh, with some, one of our other research. So we, we publish assessment tools about organizations and about individuals. And because we publish these assessments, we have all kinds of interesting data. And in one of our tools, we ask about, um, we're looking at organizational climate and trust. And we ask people about why they have thought about leaving if they have or why they're staying. And there's a, a very clear connection between uh, organizations that have more emotional intelligence and retaining good people. The team about data that. is uh, about what happened from 2019 to 20 to 21. And we just published this and it's really surprising. One of the surprises is that actually team vitality increased from 2019 to 2021. And, you know, based on what we were talking about earlier, Michael, it's like, wait, we're barely, we're barely hanging on here in 2022. How could it have been increased from, uh, from, from 20 to 21, from 19 to 21? So what happened is team vitality scores, which are things like trust, motivation, effectiveness uh, plummeted in 2020. So 2019 to 2020 was a huge drop and we, we all experienced that. What we saw in our data from about 20 countries around the world, thousands of people in this data set, is that it went up a lot in from 20 to 2021. And I think we've kind of been in that, like almost like a, a you know, deep challenge together. Uh, we hear about this uh, from um, fighting forces when, you know, you have a group of people who are in combat together, they become very bonded. And it's not the same, of course, but I think there's some of the same effect of making it, if, if we made it through 2020 as a team, we had to do a lot of adapting. We had to do a lot of taking care of each other. We had to do a lot of supporting each other. And so teams actually became stronger, except in one area, and that is sustainability. That doesn't surprise me because, and again, it goes back to you know, what we were talking about earlier about being able to bounce back and our resilience has been impacted. And, you know, to sustain a behavior because I, when you're describing how 2019 and 2020 was kind of falling off the cliff or the cliff. And then basically 2021 was as if at the bottom of that cliff was a trampoline and we bounced way up. So we've had this weird gigantic dip. And then all of a sudden this, this increase that we weren't expecting it. And, you're, you're figuring out, okay, where where are we going to land? You know, it will, you don't want your EKG to do crazy things like that. You certainly don't want, you know, you, you know how how's the environment? Uh, that's that just wears everybody out trying to figure out who are we, what are we doing. Um, you you want to kind of get it to a somewhat of a recognizable rhythm because with that you can plan around and and do things that are important. But yeah, the sustainability factor that that's not a shock to me in a way because again. You know, the, the, not just, you know, sustaining 
behaviors and performance and things like that, but even in this world of trying to, you know, lead you know, a more healthier workplace, sustainable for the earth, all of those things that come into play, we're all just, you know, beat up and bruised of what just transpired over the last few years. So exactly. we're trying to figure out, you know, who, in many cases, and we know a lot of people have been doing this is, you know, they're doing a lot of self review of themselves going, okay, who am I and what's important to me? And uh, they may not have the clear headspace to actually have that conversation with themselves yet. Because again, depending on how traumatic this situation has been for people, it'll impact their ability to be able to kind of plan ahead and go, okay, what do I want to do now? And sometimes people just you know are frozen because we've been in this survival mode for uh, a few years, but it, again, it feels like a decade. The research on this is important. Uh, I think some people are just like, we're just going to wait it out. Like this is, you know, we're going back to normal. That That's not happening. Um, the research on trauma and the emotional impact of trauma is that the peak effect happens many years after the trauma itself. And as you said, Michael, we're kind of, we've been in this intensity and we've just been figuring out how to make it through. And for a lot of people, now they're in this moment of saying, okay, we kind of, well, we made it at least somewhat through and we're in this place of catching our breath and we're starting to see uh, that emotional impact right now. And I think we see it in the great resignation or reshuffle or <laughs> rework or whatever it is. Um, there are a lot of places where people are experiencing this moment of reckoning and i think that is connected with one of the important findings in this new research um, we looked at well what teams did increase their long-term success what teams did increase their sustainability scores and what predicted that and the answer is intriguing uh, one of the things we measure is the way teams celebrate their learning and progress now that doesn't mean, hey, let's have a party, you know, it's like tequila time. Although that, that could be part of it. It's when we're talking about celebration, we're really talking about celebrating successes and failures. We're talking about, oh, hey, that was tough. Like, what did we learn? What can we do differently? It's kind of that retrospective uh, analysis that is part of a lot of organizational process improvement we take a moment and say okay well what did we learn this week and if we didn't if we don't do that uh, we end up being more and more in that place of reactivity to what happened if we're able to build in more um, more of this celebration and it's the emotional quality of celebration is important. It's not like, oh, Michael, you screwed that up. Like, why did you do that wrong? That, that doesn't work. What we're talking about is this, oh, hey, that was interesting. That didn't work. Like, let's figure that out. Let's learn something from that. And not in a blame sense, but in a finding the value. Whether it was a success or failure, one of my, uh, my co-author, Max Gini, in our book, Inside Change, he, he said this line, which is, a well-used failure is worth more than a success. So celebration, it turns out teams that have high scores on celebration are 25 times as likely to have high scores on sustainable success. That's 
Un, that's a huge correlation. Uh, people who smoke are eight times as likely to get cancer. So being 25 times as likely to have high scores on sustainability, it means this, this celebration piece, it is a must have if you want to move into that sustainability space. And you do it by just taking time every week and saying, okay, what did we learn? What happened? What were some successes? What were some failures? And not being in that space of blame, but really being in a space of curiosity and growth and learning and valuing the experience, even when it's tough, especially when it's tough. You mentioned the word curiosity, and that's something that I always try to encourage people to look at things, especially when they're facing a challenging situation. It's like approach it with curiosity, not fear, but curious on how things would work. And you know, the exercise you just walked us through, I worked for, and I, I did that in the roles that I ran and led because one organization I worked at was a Fortune 500 company, and it was the only company that I ever worked for in my entire career up to that point that actually would do that. At the end of every project, they would bring the team together and they'd bring in a couple key people from other projects, and we'd have that conversation. Okay, what went well? What you know got egg on our face, and we were all and you know, we did it over lunch. Sometimes we did it at the pub. Sometimes it just it, you know, whatever made sense, and and we would talk it's about best things. at the pub, I think. Oh yeah, because then you get <laughs> you get you get a couple pops, in, and then you can then then all of a sudden you know it, it's kind of like the you know Alan Mulally when he finally got everybody afford to finally confess to what actually was going on there. I was like, okay, let's celebrate. Everyone's telling the truth now. This yeah, we're all in the red. But it, what it did was it brought in some ideas. It created some efficiencies. And what happened was, because we brought in other people from other projects as well into it, we got really efficient at what we were doing. And then what we were allowed to do was take on more projects with actually not bringing in additional help, which, of course, improved the bottom line, which makes corporate headquarters really happy with you. <laughs> and, and we were getting really efficient and, again, Using that knowledge, you know, capturing the information and not just forgetting it because like, oh, we, we, we've seen this, you know, 18 times before. Okay, we, we typically know how this will react. Let's run some tests to see if it flushes out the same way. If it does, okay, then we roll with it. If it's a little different, like, oh, well, that's different. Okay, let's look at it. But I took those lessons and applied that in everything that I ever did afterwards in leading. And just, you know, let's, let's have a chat. How, how did it go? It reminds me of, of the whole learning organization concept, right? And like, do we think of ourselves as doers or learners? Never stop learning. So, Josh, I love this conversation. Where could people find out more about you and all this amazing work you're doing? SixSeconds.org is our website. There's a huge bunch of resources there. We have a lot of articles. Again, many, many different sectors. Uh, if you're a parent, there's a lot there for you there as well. Um, business cases. And then if you do decide you want to start embedding measurement tools, development tools into your organization, you can find out about getting certification inside your organization for these tools and processes, start building these measures into what you do. Uh, we also have a very active community and you'll see uh, there's a map on our website of certified practitioners all over the world. We have partners all over the world. And so if you're looking for help to build a healthier climate, build more trust, build more alignment, build more people-centered leadership, 
we have people who can help you with that. And then personally, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, so feel free to connect with me and uh, we'll post a lot of our resources and research there and um, happy to happy to connect on any any of the social media platforms. That's awesome. And I highly encourage people to check out the website because yeah, it's it's a reservoir of amazing stuff like it just like you you basically want to say okay i'm gonna take my brain i'm gonna plug it in and just put it in there just so it it's it's there you know and i don't have to you know but it, it it's it, it's one of those things that it, once you get it bookmarked you, you end up putting it on your bookmarks bars you don't it's on its own it's like yeah just click it that's what i recommend <laughs> people you, should do so, so that that's just you know it's just my personal you know opinion on it so and i'll definitely have that information in the show notes as well. So Joshua, again, thank you for all this amazing and extremely important work. It makes the world better uh, when organizations are healthy, uh, both from a professional standpoint, but an emotional standpoint as well. So thank you again for your time today. Thank you, Michael. And thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.